How's your bourbon? It's delightful, honey. Bourbon? It is delightful. Hmm. My Virgin Bloody Mary is pretty good. You wanna <laughs> you wanna have a sip? No. Out of a paper straw. That's the thing about New York. We are recording this podcast in Long Island, New York. Long Island, New York. Which I'm actually very blessed, even though I feel like anytime I land in the state of New York, no offense if you're listening to this and you're from New York or you live in New York, mm. I feel like as soon as I land in New York, it's instant anxiety. Yeah, you don't really love it here. No, my body, I get a thrill. Res- my body does not respond well to it. I get a thrill when I land in New York. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. I just think I'm so overstimulated. Yeah. I think I think it probably is temperament like how you respond to certain energies because I feel like New York is just buzzing on all the time. Yeah. And I feel like you get really overwhelmed with extra stimulus. It's hard for me to be present in New York. Mm. It's yeah. hard for me to be present and then when I'm not present I feel just so like in my head observing everything and then I get ang- like just emotionally exhausted and then I feel very disconnected from my body which leads to anxiety this sounds terrible i know that's what happens but maybe this time after doing more work and learning how to (laughs) self-regulate i can i can calm myself and drop in and enjoy new york a little bit more and also it's and i think this is for everybody though there's a remarkable difference between going to new york and not really having a plan and trying to wander aimlessly Mm. Yeah. Versus having some sort of a plan or at least being with somebody that can get you from point A to point B without yeah. the confusion of how to get to point A to point B. I don't do well. Well, you don't like, you don't like have the, uh, the, that energy that like wants to figure things out. Like I get Sometimes. to a new city and I'm like, I want to figure out the subway. It's like a game to me to want to figure it out. I feel like no. if you don't know exactly where to go and how to do it, you're kind of no. like, uh, this is overwhelming. I'm much more like, just get me, I will pay extra to get to point B with less hiccups yeah just the convenience just for the convenience of it you absolutely do you yeah you absolutely do prioritize convenience i don't knowing that we're going to be we're in long island and our hotel is where melville no in new york city oh uh it's in seaport right by the lower east side so in the lower east side i much rather pay probably close to triple Uh uh-huh by just getting an uber or a private car and taking us straight to the hotel door yeah versus us Taking our luggage, going to a train station, buying a ticket, getting on the train, getting out at Penn Station or Grand Central Station, wherever it drops us, calling for an Uber. Like, yeah, that's a lot. I'm with you on that one because honestly, just trekking around with luggage is, it's a headache. But. But we're in New York. We're in New York. New York. That's bad. (laughs) That's really bad. (laughs) Thank you, Alicia Keys. Uh, Yeah, far from it. Uh, but we are actually podcasting again. We have come back with a vengeance. <laughs> no, we have come back the with year. with some new some newness. Yeah, this last year, I think we shut this podcast. We just paused it. When did we pause? I don't really. I think know. it was about a year ago. It was. It might be a little over a year now, but we paused it in a lot of ways because twenty twenty. I, I yeah. I I was emotionally exhausted. I was confused. I was. I just couldn't just keep showing up really in any of my work. Mm. Uh, and so we pushed pause. We started the podcast pre-COVID, correct? Wow. May 26th was our last episode. Yeah. So over a year. Wow. Yeah. But we've really been feeling like we want to come back and uh, we've been doing podcasts separately and just thinking how fun it would be to start this up again. And yeah. I feel like together we have some really great conversations. Right. 
I feel like anytime we sit down and talk with somebody, anytime we have intentional conversations with somebody, it's a powerful experience. And I'm not saying that like, I think we have just individually done the work to hold deep space for people Mm -hmm. and to ask hard questions and to create safe space for people to lean into the vulnerability that inevitably comes when you answer those hard questions. Mm -hmm. And so I think the key would be, or the goal would be with this podcast is, how do we translate that into this space into this space? Yeah. Right. How do we have our Mm -hmm. own conversations? And we'll also bring guests on the second season. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, Kara and I were talking about how this whole first season of the podcast, which I loved, it was all about kind of exploring the questions that have shaped our lives Mm -hmm. or the questions that we're currently living in the midst of. So you're saying the season we already did. That's the last season. That was the first season. We asked every guest, what's the question that has shaped your life? And I love some of the questions, like Miles Adcox, if you uh, ever want to go back and listen to an episode, I loved his uh, question. It was just like, how's your heart? Mm-hmm. That's such a good one. Jonathan Merritt, who I hope we see in New York City, his was like, what does it mean to be a spiritually grounded person when the wheels fall off? Yeah. There it were so, so good. many good questions. Ruthie Lindsley, Lindsay, who is my being self instead of my doing self? Mm-hmm. Nate Postaway is coming out worth it. Yeah. So many questions that... Um, inspired both of us to ask in our own lives and to ask, you know, in in our inner world, like those same questions. I feel like doing those episodes, what I noticed is how, um, how much I grew. Right. (laughs) And I think that's part of the fun of podcasting is you have all these brilliant conversations and you're surrounded with people who are sometimes like you and sometimes completely other than you. Yeah. And because of that, you end up having just a breadth of, uh, conversation that really shapes and defines and opens up ideas i agree and so the second season i think what we are focusing on this is, season or this this season or the second season yeah, yeah this season i think what we're going to really focus on is um karen and i both individually and i think this is why we work so well together um is we don't kind of we're never going to be a person that accepts the status quo Right, we're never going to be a couple, or we're, we, I don't think we'll ever be individuals that come up against something inside of the context of either our life or really our relationship, and just kind of like not be curious about it, not ask hard questions around it, not have tough conversations or brave conversations around it, and just kind of like sweep it under the proverbial rug. That's never who we are going to be. I think we're both on this mission in our journey in life, and so much of our soul's journey in this life is to really expand into the fullness of who of who we are yeah how, how do we align to our highest expression individually and also from a relationship standpoint and so i think uh, what we want to do really is to create this space and really just let it be all about how do we expand our relationships absolutely i was having a conversation with our friend mel today and um and i hi, think mel hi mel i think this is true for you and i caleb too but i was saying to her i said you know i think we met at a really interesting time in life And part of what has been so helpful and beneficial in our friendship is that when we met, we were both in such uh, growing and expanding phases. And because of that, we almost have the expectation that the other is going to continue to change and continue to evolve and continue to become. Yeah. And I think with you and I, similarly, we met. Uh, I think our our love story really started when we were both in this expansive growth state. And because of that, even in our marriage, I have this um, perspective of you that I know that in five years, you're going to be a different human being. Mm-hmm. And I get to watch you grow and watch you evolve and watch you become. 
And I think talking about relationships, even in this context, in, in, in this space of the podcast, thinking about like, how do we give permission to people to really expand into the fullest version of themselves? Um, because even when it's uncomfortable for you. Well, that's what I was going to say, because it threatens us sometimes, lot, right? Yeah. Because I know you as this person. And when you're no longer that person, then what does that say? And what does that mean? And so it can be a threat. So I think, yeah, really having conversations about how how we empower people to become the fullest version of themselves yeah. without seeing that as a, a threat or that's something that, you know, takes away from me. Yeah. It's really vulnerable to hold relationships loosely. Yeah. And I think that's what love requires us to do mm. yeah. is to hold them loosely because when you hold them loosely, when you don't have a death grip on them, when you're not trying to control them, when you're not trying to force them, Right. And there was a season of my life with that. But when you learn how to hold them loosely, they really do evolve into what they were created to be. And at the end of the day, while it might really, really hurt because it might not be what you thought it was going to be or what you necessarily want it to be, it is what it is. And that's the that's the best place to be. Like, that's really the the deep trust that it requires for you to really realize that what's meant for you won't miss you. Mm -hmm. And I truly do believe that what's meant for you won't miss you. And we have to learn how to, inside of the context of relationships, hold relationships loosely. And Mm -hmm. that's scary, but all the while have common, like have values that we've discussed. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if you came to me and you're like, Hey, I want to have an open relationship now. I'm like, Oh, I understand holding this loosely, but this is not like, I don't value, that's not my value. Like that's crossing a line with me and we've discussed this before and we would have to have a hard conversation there, right? But at the end of the day, there's no greater gift and I don't think there's any greater reflection of love than for me to hold safe space for you to grow and change even when it's uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. And I find that even if so weird we've only known each other for two years (laughs) less than two years like a joke actually that is so so weird i know but even since knowing you you've grown you've changed you've evolved yeah and the times where i feel like it's been most uncomfortable for me is when i haven't been doing my own work Mm. if i'm staying stuck or if i'm staying connected to an old identity or someone who I, if I'm not actually leaning into my own story of growth, your growth is remarkably uncom- more uncomfortable than mm, me. Absolutely. But when I'm doing my own work and going down my own journey of growth, like it's not, it's not, it's not as uncomfortable as it is if I'm, if I'm not, if that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think on this season, I really want to explore, I mean, just this basic idea of what does it mean to do healthy relationships? Mm -hmm. And you and I talk about this a lot, but I think the foundation of a healthy relationship begins with our relationship with self and, and then it trickles out into our relationship with other people and it trickles out into our relationship with everything else around us. But I think something for me, and I've shared this with you before, Caleb, but just this idea that like I love you <laughs> much better mm. when I l- am in love with myself. And and I say that because I, I again to bring it back to this idea that that all relationships begin with how we're relating to ourselves. I find that when I am in good relationship with myself, when I feel connected to myself, when I feel um, in love with my life and I'm doing the work to do that, right? Cuz that is actual work for me. And and sometimes it looks like creating time in the morning with myself. Sometimes it looks like meditation, whatever it looks like for me to get me to feel connected to myself. When I do those things, when I find myself feeling connected to my, my own self, 
my capacity to love you is so much greater. Mm-hmm. And I think there's such a direct correlation with, with that. And I think a lot of times when we end up in relationships that feel tricky or hard or whatever, sometimes it's just a mirror back, right? It's just a mirror back of what's going on internally. And yeah, I, I think it's really fun to explore this idea of like, how do we, how do we prioritize relation to self so that I can be a better partner, be a better friend, be a better relator in the world. Yeah, it's true. It starts there because when we, it's like when I, don't, if I'm not in a good relationship with myself, if I am living under this like constant one self betrayal after another and, you know, self abandonment, when I'm not honoring what I'm feeling and processing my grief and my pain, it's I'm very disconnected from myself. Mm. And when I'm very disconnected from myself, I do nobody any good. Yeah. Right. I, including you. Yeah. It's easy for me. Like when I feel most connected to my truth, I'm more empowered to have hard conversations, yeah. to set strong boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, to communicate what I need. Yeah. How do you feel or, or how do you go about feeling connected to yourself? I feel like that even saying that like, feel connected to yourself can sound so off for some people. Like yeah. how, how do we go about doing that? What does it look like for you to be connected to yourself? Well, when I'm ever, if I'm ever feeling emotionally off or if I'm feeling emotionally like disconnected, right? If I'm feeling so anxious or stressed or in my head mm-hmm. worrying, I know that that is a clear indication that I am disconnected from me, mm. right? I'm in my head. Yeah. I'm not in the present. I'm not living in this embodied life. Mm-hmm. And so I think the first step has always been employing, deploying self-awareness in my life and realizing like, am I in an alignment? Am I in flow? Mm. What are the, what is my body telling me? Like I can, you know, we've talked about this, me and you before, but I've dated somebody in my past that every time I lay down next to her, I would go into instant anxiety. Yeah. And it's had nothing to do with her necessarily. This, this relationship was not right for me. And I, for the longest time, thought that was something that had to be fixed in me, healed in me, or whatever you want to say. And so I stayed in the relationship. But my body was, I didn't know how to trust my body then. Mm. And my body was just screaming at me like, this is not for you. Right. Right. And so anytime I feel any sort of, you know, disconnection in my body, like I'm in my head, um, I'm feeling anxious, overwhelmed, worried, stressed, whatever it is. It's a clear sign to me that, oh, it's asking me, it's time to reconnect to my body. It's mm. time for me to come, you know, to, to choose me again. And so I think the first step has always been just a self-awareness. Yeah, absolutely. And taking time for that, right? Like taking yeah. time for the, the places that you feel. And it's also learning how to like, I used to hate meditation mm. because I thought I sucked at it. Mm. Of course, at one point, everything was a performance in my life and I judged <laughs> everything, right? Everything it had to be labeled or judged, right? Because I was living in such a duality of life. And I hated meditation because I would find myself trying to focus on my breath, like to feel the breath move out of my lips as, as I exhale, right? To feel my chest rise and my stomach rise within the inhale and just to be there in the breath. And then the next thing you know, I would be like thinking of my to-do list for the mm. day or what happened yesterday or the conversation that I, you know, had recently. And I was thinking about all the things I wish I would have said, mm. right? And I'd get so mad at myself because I would be moved away from the present. But then I started to realize through, I think it was Tara Brock, 
um, and her guided meditations, she basically is like, every time you disconnect is a chance for you to remember mm-hmm. and to come back to the present. And every time you come back to the present, you're strengthening your muscle of remembering. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. well, that totally reframed meditation for me. Yeah. Right. So it reframed where I'm like, every time I go off in La La Land, no, <laughs> I wish we were in like LA, but no, every time <laughs> I go off to La La Land, it was a chance for me to reconnect to the mm. present and to remember. And every time I remembered, I was strengthening my muscle of remembering. Yeah. Right. And our whole spiritual journey is a journey of remembering. Yeah. Remembering our innate worth. Coming home. Coming home to the wisdom inside of us. Mm-hmm. And so every time I used to feel disconnected from my body, overwhelmed, anxious, whatever it might be, I would respond in self-criticism. You know better. You have done all this work, Caleb. You must be really broken if after doing all of this work, you're still like, you know, still experiencing this level of disconnection. But then I started to realize just like in meditation, every time I felt disconnected, I was aware of it and I remembered Mm. and I was able to self-regulate, get back into my body, connect to my breath and be present I was strengthening my muscle of remembering who I am and my innate worth in this life. Mm. And so then I went from moving from self-criticism to self-compassion. Yeah. Because I didn't see it as like, you just suck at life. I see it as, oh, I'm remembering. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I'm thinking about how in in my program in body circles, we talk about why embodiment uh, in and of itself can feel quite terrifying. And it's, it's because when we're embodied, what happens is we get really slow and we allow anything internal to surface that maybe wouldn't, we wouldn't let otherwise surface. And I think about in my own story, the times uh, where I was running away from myself and running away from life, uh, I, you know, there were times that I, the universe forced me to be slow. And when I was slow, all of this stuff that I didn't want to look at and all of this stuff that I hadn't dealt with uh, came to the surface And that's not a comfortable thing. So I feel like the work of connecting to yourself of embodiment is actually quite uncomfortable at times because we don't, we don't like to feel what it feels like when we're sensitized, right? Sensitization and, 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 uh, all of these embodiment practices that really get us into the body are terrifying because we, we have to feel. And I think so many of us are kind of conditioned to not feel to the depths that we actually have capacity for. But I think it's in that work that our capacity for deeper, more intimate, more connective relationships actually happens first with ourselves and then with other people. But it is interesting. I feel like I felt the same about meditation where I used to hate it. And now I feel like I can't breathe without it. (laughs) I can't breathe. It's just a great tool to be more present in life. Yeah. And I think the more, it's also remarkable for your body yeah. and your mental or your your brain health and your hormones. Meditation does wonders for the body. It's, it's insane. The stillness, being present. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about what you said about like I think that one of the most radical things you can do is to is how is to learn how to live connected to your body. Mm-hmm. Learn how to live more embodied. Learn yeah. how to live more present. And it's scary because of what you said. It's in the stillness of that it's necessary for us to reconnect. Everything surfaces. Mm -hmm. And then we have to process it and work through it. And it's uncomfortable and blah, blah, blah. It it really is. Not blah, blah, blah. Like, this is like my heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is scary. But I think what's really scary is I want to be able to communicate this well. We... 
our, the, in order to reconnect to our innate wisdom, in order to unlock our inner voice and to live from the depth of who we are, mm-hmm. in order to live so connected to our truth, it requires great surrendering. And we have to learn how to let go of who we think we should be, of where we think we should be, of what we think life should look like. We have to learn how to let go of all of the stories we've been holding on to, all of the pain that we've been holding on to. So it requires this great measure of letting go. And we have to give ourselves over to something that's bigger than us, mm. which is what I would define as God or love. Mm-hmm. We give ourselves over to love. And it's it's scary to fully give yourself over to something that's so much greater than you. And that's why I think like religion does a great job at helping people play safe. Mm. It does actually with all the rules, Mm -hmm. right? We hold on to these stories because we're actually afraid of the vulnerability that comes when there are no rules Yeah, because we don't know how to trust ourselves. Trust ourselves. Yeah. Right. So we, we, we stick to this moral code of morality, of right, wrong, left, right, black, white, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. because we don't actually trust ourselves yet, mm-hmm. right? And that's, it's actually, we we live in this, I guess, this contradiction, where it's like we are longing to be more free, but we're holding on to rules, belief systems that no longer serve us, old thoughts, ideas, patterns, whatever it might be, that no longer serve us because it's actually keeping us safe mm-hmm. from the vulnerability of removing all of the the rules, removing all and just learning how to trust that love is holding us yeah. and that we can actually trust ourselves. Yeah. And there is a direct correlation between healing and trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's why the healing journey, it's not about healing the survival patterns in your life or he- healing the belief systems in your life so that you can, you know, earn six figures this year. Mm. I think that's part of the byproduct of it. Mm-hmm. But the the point of healing is to come back home, live embodied, live aligned, to the highest expression of who I am, to live in this sacred flow, right? And understanding that what's meant for me won't miss me. There's a sacred flow of life happening in me and through me. I'm living aligned. And yeah, I, I it's just that takes in that takes radical trust. Yeah. I'm 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 uh rambling. So rambling. Thank you. <laughs> you couldn't even find the word for I'm rambling. in Long Island and I speak tomorrow. <laughs> Lots of thoughts flowing through you. Yeah. And of course I'm not speaking about any of this, but no, I think, I think the, the note on self-trust is so massive. And I think that that, makes sense. Absolutely. That made sense. Oh man. It definitely made sense. I think, I think, uh, kind of bringing it back around this, this idea of self-trust is so foreign to so many of us, um, because we have been taught to live with, uh, rules and, and formulas and ways. And I think you're right. We don't, we don't do the work of healing, uh, so that, we make six figures or so that we blah, blah, blah. But it is interesting how those things become a byproduct. For because sure. when you're operating in radical self-love and self-trust, you have a lot more ability to do your soul's work. And your soul's work is Absolutely. always going to bring you into success. Absolutely. But then it's just a big difference between like me trying to force and make those opportunities happen versus those opportunities just happening, allowing them, allowing them to happen to me. Right. When we heal, we increase our capacity to receive what God and what life has been trying to get into our, 
existence this entire time. This yeah. is the art of manifestation. Yeah. I think honestly, as a couple, this is where we are at. Yeah. When you think about our love story, do you feel like you manifested yes. our love story? Yes. How? And that's why I feel like our relationship yeah. is honestly so sacred. Mm. I feel like our relationship, and I'm not just saying this, has the capacity to change lives. Mm. I love I that. really do. And this isn't like an ego boost or like a you know, thinking we're better. It's not that. I just think that. So pretentious of you. Yeah. So <laughs> if you know me, you know my heart. And that's not, it's like the last thing I would think. But I think our relationship is so sacred because I feel like I, we both individually manifested this. Mm. And so I think for me, I manifested this by creating space for this. Like there's a difference between trying to find the things and trying to make the things that I want in my life happen versus healing and going after whatever it is that's in front of me in regards to the trauma that's coming up or what I'm leaning into, the discomfort that's coming up. And as I, as I intentionally leaned into, as I intentionally leaned into my discomfort, into my growth, into my story that I was that was making it that was surfacing in my life, like I didn't know it at this time, but I was, as I look back, I was creating space for you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I was creating space for you. It's like your sister came to town, and I think sometimes we think that like because we are looking, we're talking about relationships with her, and because we are looking for love and to find our partner, we spend all of our times working around the things that we need to heal with relationships or we need to heal with, um, you know, abandonment wounds or whatever it might be that pertain to relationships. Mm -hmm. The best thing that you can ever do for anything that you deeply desire in life is to honor what's coming up in your heart now. So for me, attracting you into my life and defining you in my life had nothing to do with working on romantic partnerships or Mm -hmm. romantic relationships It had everything to do with healing my abandonment wound. Yeah. Right. Healing the shame that was leaving me disconnected from my life. Yeah. Right. And so as I healed the shame, I didn't understand it at the time. But I look back, I was like, holy shit, I was creating space for you to come into my life because energetically you're huge. You're so big energetically and everything that you are already doing and you will be doing like it. It just made me feel how sacred this relationship and how much I honor and value you. Because I know what has cost me to birth you into my life. Mm. Yeah. I love um, that you said this and I want to break it down this idea of creating space because I think you and I use that language a lot. Like what does it look like to create space for a relationship? Create space for anything. Create space for anything. And I think you're right. So many of us think like, oh, if I want to, if I want to have a healthy relationship, then I have to go do the work on Which is partially true. Which sometimes is very true. Sometimes creating space looks like getting rid of a narrative that you're stuck on. You know, I had this narrative forever that I was the single girl. And that was my that was my belief system about myself because it had been very, very true for so many years. And um, if you haven't heard our love story, Caleb and I met later, well, quote unquote, later in life. I was 35 mm-hmm. when we got married, 35. And I grew up in a culture where that was uh, so late. I thought I'd be married by 25 at the very latest. So 10 years of singleness... Um, was a a lot of work for me. It was a lot of work to let go of the expectations of what I thought my life would look like. It was a lot of uh, sorting through these questions of, you know, is there something wrong with me or did I miss it or did I mess it up? And all those self-deprecating thoughts that we think when when we're not in the fruition of what we truly want yet. But I think in hindsight, when I think about 
you coming into the picture for me, I, I started to create space by really looking at all those narratives of what I believed about myself, right? And what I believed about myself as the single girl and letting that narrative go, laying uh-huh. it down and, and being like, I actually don't, that doesn't have to be my narrative. Mm. It's been my narrative but for 10 years. holding on to that narrative was safe, huh? It was safe, yeah. yeah. And it and it had become somewhat of an identity. And, yeah. and I even, you know, jokingly would be like, all my friends are married and I'm the single one, which was a true statement. But because it had become this identity, it had built this little wall of self-protection in some ways around me. And so my work of creating space was to get rid of that narrative and other narratives that weren't serving me. So sometimes creating space is really literal. You know, sometimes we move. We just moved to Nashville and created space for other things in our lives. Sometimes it's literal, but sometimes it's more of a figurative. Energetically. Energetics. yeah. Yeah. Creating space for the new to come in because when we have these old narratives, these old identities, these old structures, these old things, sometimes all that the work is, is, is kind of breaking those down so that the new can come in so that we can allow it to come in. I think it's the single handedly, the most important lesson that you have to learn uh, is learn how to create the emotional and energetic space to invite the things in that you, you deeply want Mm. because this is the difference. Like you can go make your that life happen. That requires a lot of self or a lot of trust. Yeah. And you can go make your life happen, right? You can persevere and will your way forward and keep showing up. But when you don't do it consciously, you're going to lose yourself in the process mm-hmm. and you're going to burn out and mm-hmm. you're going to ask what the hell happened. And this is, a, I think, a lot of ways how what people are, are referring to when they find themselves in a midlife crisis. The spiritual journey. The spiritual journey of coming back home to yourself and as Mary Oliver would say, like living your one true and wild life, Mm. you know, the spiritual journey is learning how to, it's not about making your life happen. It's realizing that life, there's a flow to life already happening. Life is good. God is good. Everything that I could ever want or imagine or desire can be birthed in me and through me, but it's going to, I'm going to invite it in versus trying to force it and make it happen. Right. Because when I invite it in, you're talking about just an overall better experience of life. Right. There's this flow to life. And now it's literally there's a river flowing in on this river is all these boxes that are meant for me. Gifts and surprises and opportunities and relationships and all these things. And my goal in life on the spiritual journey is just to get into the river, Mm. quit swimming upstream, quit trying to push the river forward, learn how to rest in the river yeah. Right. And then what comes to me is meant for me. And I can set intentions to energetically create those things and to manifest them into my life. And I say all of that because if you're on the spiritual journey, if you're not just looking to try to make your life happen and reach this endpoint or this goal, like I think our listener base for the most part, that you're on a spiritual journey, deep down, you know that there's more possible for you, you know that there's more available for you. And you want to learn how to live a life where you hold things loosely, where you learn how to let go, you learn how to surrender and you step into deep radical trust, mm-hmm. right? That, if that is your lifestyle, if that's what you're after, there is no that more of a valuable lesson than learning how to create space. Yeah. Because you have to create the space in your heart and in your lives to invite in the things that you want yeah. the most. How do you, how do you respond to someone who's like, I feel like I have created space and I still don't have what I want. Like the things well, I that think my that, heart and is. And that right there is what's coming up mm. for you 
in that moment is it's mirroring back to you what is surfacing and what needs to be dealt with next. Mm. So it's like, I've created this, like I've done everything you're talking to me about. I've created space. I've leaned in, I've, I'm seeing a therapist and I'm still, I'm still not there yet. Or I still don't have what I want. And I'm like, congratulations, you're at a new level of consciousness, but the angst in your voice, the disappointment that you're holding on to, the need to be somewhere else other than where you are is your next journey. Yeah. It's surrendering that yeah. now. I think that's such a hard thing to communicate to communicate about because you yeah, because there's pain involved. Absolutely. There's pain in, in our longing and in the things that we really want. But I think you're right. I think it is the next part of the journey. This is is a point it's like a and I'm and I'm saying this, I'm being very upfront and kind of blunt with it, like hope you show yourself more compassion than I'm in right now. <laughs> but it's kind of like, like Caleb, I've done this, this, and this, and I still don't have it. I followed these rules. Like I, I've done what you've asked me to. I'm, I'm leaning into this. I'm doing this, right? Like mm. why is it not happening? And you know, like I've created the space. And then my question is just like, why are you so upset? Mm. Like, why are you so mad right now? Like, what are you... Well, I, I think the answer is longing. Longing, but that in and of itself mm -hmm. is going to be revealing a deeper belief system. Mm. That in and of itself is an invitation to actually grow more expansive, more deep, more, more just a, a whole, a deeper understanding of life, a more mm -hmm. present life. And so I'm just saying like that, when you've done the work and it's still not turning out the way you expect it to do, that in and of itself is another invitation to go deeper. Yeah. And is, this isn't about getting the thing that you want necessarily in this season. It might be more about learning how to trust deeper, mm. learning how to, to create deeper space, more in, increase your capacity to receive. Yeah. Right. And this is the surrendering that, Oh, God is for me. And I'm going to hold fast to that belief system, even though, it's not turning out the way. And the last thing I'll say to this is like, don't abandon yourself in the midst of the disappointment. Yeah. Feel it deeply. Yeah. Be angry at God. Yeah. I Being think angry at life. I think that's a very crucial piece is yeah. like, it's not a spiritual bypass. No, of, absolutely of, not. Well, just go deeper. Just do but, more work. But it's that is how we, and I should be way more clear on it. The way that you do more work is to address the disappointment. Yeah. The way you do more work is to sit with your pain. Is to grieve. Is to grieve that mm -hmm. still after doing all of this work, life is still not unfolding the way you thought it was supposed to unfold. Yeah. It, Cause that is the number one way you create space mm -hmm. is you grieve the unmet expectations of your life. You let go of the past disappointments that you're holding on to. Yeah. Then now we're talking, now you are doing serious energetic work to create space, to invite in that, which is really meant for you. And it's good because God is good. Yeah. There's this line and I think it's like an Amanda Cook song or something. And it talks oh, about, wow. Amanda Cook. right. Bringing it back. It talks about dancing on disappointment. And, um, it's just this idea that like when we feel the most disappointed, when we feel the most, uh, let down, it's almost a, a, like a spiritual rebellion or a spiritual act to dance on that yeah. and to actually, because one dancing is incredibly releasing. It releases so much that we store in our bodies. So there's a physiological part to it where actually dancing when we're sad or dancing when we're disappointed can actually help release some of the some of the sadness that is embodied well, in that's why us. like dogs shake right that's why dogs shake yeah well kind of why but okay. yes same concept um 
But also I love the dancing on disappointment because it helps us, it helps us reframe. It helps us to, to, to still allow for the sadness, but to, to shift our energy around it. To Wait, shift. where did dancing with disappointment come from? I think it's Amanda Cook. That is like beautiful course. Dance on disappointment. Yeah. Uh-huh. Dance on disappointment. It's like a worship song. I and I and, and I I reference it because even as I'm like playing devil's advocate with you about this disappointment stuff, I I think about you're playing devil's advocate. Well, a little bit. Oh. I, I was just probing, but I I think about all the women I work with who are single and who don't want to be single anymore, and it's yeah. so difficult. It's so painful, and there's also this really powerful uh, way that we can dance on that, right? Dance on the mm. disappointment of it and recognize that yes, it's fucking painful. And lonely and all of my years of longing and longing and longing to have a person. Those were real years of pain. But then you end up bringing into fruition the thing that you really want. It comes and you, and it's there. And then you realize it's been there all along. Like you were in my story all along. And then it comes, it comes in a way where you don't double guess, second guess it. Yeah. It comes in a way where it's like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Like, oh, (laughs) there it is. It's not like you're in this trying to like, this could work and you have this massive pros and cons list it's like oh no this just came out of left field unexpected happened in a way i didn't imagine it and i'm not i i know that i know that i know yeah i think i think one of the things that i'm sorting through and i'm i'm pretty sure i confidently believe this we'll see how i can articulate it but i think that if there is something in you if there's a deep desire in you it is absolutely for you um, it's probably just a, ma- sure. a matter of timing of how and when that comes. Absolutely. But if your heart longs for partnership, it's for you. And if your Absolutely. heart longs to write a book or make a lot of money or whatever the thing is, if there's that deep mm. sense of longing around something and it's not yet, that just means it's coming. And so part of the work I think is that dancing, like dancing your way into it, dancing your way into the fruition of it. Because I could have spent a lot, I spent so many damn years of my life binging on popcorn and wine because you weren't here yet. And I think if I had channeled that energy differently and just danced my way into the the reality that what that. was coming for me was coming and it was just outside of my timing. I honestly like that analogy in that kind of framework, I think is so important because if we just break it down and I'm like, just kind of processing this with you now, cause mm. I'm like, this is, I think our course or this is the work that we're going to be doing in the world. Yeah. It's a part of the journey is recognizing the longings, feeling the longings. Like I have this mm. longing to be in love, to find a partner. I have this longing to do something significant in the world, to really contribute in a meaningful way. I have this mm-hmm. longing. I think longings are meant to move us and also break us. Mm. And I, what I mean by that is as we activate the longing inside of us, the longing is a sacred dance. And the dance is, is honoring the longing and also surrendering it at the same time, mm. right? I call that like, and you know this, but I call it like the the holy frustration. Mm-hmm. And the holy frustration is the land between like the longing and not having it yet. Mm. Because each longing, if it's going to be manifested in your life, if we are going to live the spiritual journey of like manifesting these things in your life where it's sacred and it's real and it's, 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 ordained Hmm. (laughs) right it's going to it it, we birth it by letting go we birth it by surrendering and so we're constantly in this dance of trying to make it happen trying to figure it out trying to push it forward to getting super frustrated to letting go 
and then we go through seasons of uh, uh, letting go and, and learning how to rest and being okay without it and learning to accept what is and be here now. And then the longing starts to creep back up and we want it more and we want it deeper. Mm. And then again, we're thrusted into this frustration of like the longing, but also simultaneously learning how to let go. Like this, I feel like is the arc yeah. of life, of manifesting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work. It's so much work. And that's why you saw, show yourself self-compassion. Yeah. Along the way. <laughs> Lots of self-compassion. Uh, I like talking with you. Yeah, it's good. Um, but again, hopefully you got something from this. We, Our friends Chase and May were visiting us in Nashville from Los Angeles. And we did a, Chase has an amazing podcast. It's a, it's a I think, top 100 in the world or Something's called Ever Forward. Uh, Karen and I have both been on that podcast. He has the sexiest podcast voice <laughs> you can imagine. It's the best. Yeah, highly recommend that. And I'll probably I'll link uh, our 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 episodes in the show notes um, on his podcast. But they were in Los or they're in Nashville, and we I think every third week of the month or whatever they are doing a relationship podcast. So we had the privilege of just having a, a meaningful conversation with them around relationships mm. that will be coming out in a, in a few weeks. But I think as Kara and I were sitting there, it was just like, oh my gosh, it is time to pick up our, our podcast podcasting. again. Yeah. And I, I think, think we just have such a love for helping people yeah. see differently. And we both do that work individually. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. together, I feel like we can combine our, yeah. our magic. And I think we are, and we just want to invite other people into our story, mm -hmm. right? And hopefully the story, our story mirrors back to you things about your own unique journey. And our story really is, is like, I think us, uh, we're both 36. Mm -hmm. And so 36 years coming into, up on 37, yeah, baby. coming into our story, it's been a story of surrendering, a story of letting go, a story of learning how to be Mm. and how to be present and live embodied and like i feel like just now for me personally i feel like i'm just now at like zero <laughs> and i'm not saying that in a derogatory way yeah. but like i have been getting myself up to this point of like of just like zero mm. now i get to start building a life like and a recalibrating i've recalibrated and now it's like i'm dancing i still dance between trying to make my life happen and creating space for what is supposed to happen mm -hmm. And, I'm, and I've learned how to move more towards the latter, which has just drastically influenced or just overwhelmed my life in the best of ways. It's changed my overwhelming sense of worth and happiness and fulfillment. It's been amazing. But I think for us, me and you, like we really are on a journey of expanding our lives mm -hmm. individually, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, yeah. financially. And I think we just want to really invite other people on our journey of not only what we've currently or what we've worked through, what we're currently working through, but also what we're learning. Absolutely. And we said this, but we're going to be talking a lot about relationships. So if you have uh, thoughts on relationships, questions, ideas, we would love to hear from you. You can DM either of us on Instagram. We'll link our, our handles below, but we would love to hear from you. We love connecting with people. Absolutely. We have this vision to take a, a dinner party series across the country and do these little pop-up dinners because yeah. we love creating space for people to connect. And this is just one way we get to do that. That'd be fun. We're doing well, it. Well, thanks for listening and we will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. I've got the heart of a hero.